and Jay Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Good morning and welcome in to the Cap and Jay Hood Morning Show on ESPN 1000 and streaming on the ESPN Chicago app with David Kaplan, Jonathan Hood with you. At this time every day, we give you a shot of no shot. Here's Shay Norling. Shay? Good morning, boys. Hoodie, Kaplan. Kaplan, a pleasure to see you again after your week in Jamaica. Good to be back. A little uh, deeper pigmentation from, from Cap this morning, Hood. Yes, we have the same pigmentation. Both of them very <laughs> deep. Maybe not quite the same, but oh, well, he's I, getting there. I don't know. I'm working, working with Steph Curry today. <laughs> it's like Drake. <laughs> it's like Degrassi Drake here. That's right. That's right. We bad. I'm just telling you. And I'm back. <laughs> Unbelievable. Cap, I'm glad to see you're back. I enjoyed, back. I enjoyed watching your many, many, many recaps last week well, while you were on vacation. Well, that's what I get on him about. I mean, he's just, it's not a full vacation. He's still doing what he loves. But at the same time, though, man, you got to get away from this nonsense, especially stuff that aggravates you. Don't need that. The Bulls? Please. I don't know if you've heard this or not. We've turned the page on them. Still got to do my job, baby. No, no, I'm saying, like, on the show, like, we're done. We're not spending any time with this nonsense. Absolutely not. Unless Westbrook comes. Because that means the circus is in town. And that's not happening. Well, okay, then we're done. Because if he comes, it's telling me he could care less about winning. Right. That's four or five teams in, in less than six years? No shot. No. I mean, everything he's done throughout his career, this is besides the point, but everything he's done throughout his career tells me he d- can care less about winning as long as he gets his triple-double. Who cares? Here, Shay Norman. All right, we got to start with one that's um, honestly a little bit sad. Jonathan Taze made an announcement over the weekend. I'll just read it here. First of all, thank you to the fans and all of those who have shown concern about my absence. I'm still dealing with symptoms of long COVID and chronic immune response syndrome. It has been really challenging to play through these symptoms in the last few weeks. It's reached the point where I had no choice but to step back and concentrate on getting healthy. I'm thankful for the patience and support of my teammates, the coaching staff, and the entire Blackhawks organization. The Blackhawks came out over the weekend and announced he will not be traded. He's been taken off the trade market. Priority number one ahead of the deadline now is Tay's health and really his future. But my question, shot or no shot, when you hear this, Jonathan Tay's is, is done playing hockey. Now, that's a no shot. I mean, he's going through it right now, Cap, but I don't say that he's done with hockey. I think it's just sad because for a while, remember this, this time last year we were talking about this, we were in the dark of what was going on with him. And so now we come to find out, I think he'll play again just won't be the same effective player that we once knew. I will say it's a shot that he never plays hockey again. He has nothing left that he has to prove. He was an amazing captain, an amazing leader, an incredible hockey player. He's a Hall of Famer. He won three Stanley Cups. I think it's a shot that he, I believe, built a home in Costa Rica, Mm -hmm. that he goes off to Costa Rica and you don't hear a lot from him. Well... You're not going to hear a lot from him anyway. He's Captain Serious. He is Captain Serious. Could you imagine him in Costa Rica? You talk about polar opposites. Hey, what's going on? Can I get the papaya? (laughs) 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 Just dull as balls. But but a great player, though. Yeah. Hall of Famer. I absolutely could see that being a shot. Shay. Well, we haven't talked a lot about the Blackhawks trade deadline, but this does kind of put it under the microscope. And there's a lot of reporting out there now that... Patrick Kane may not be traded ahead of the trade deadline. So shot or no shot, I mean, failing to trade both of them, 
kind of a failure, even if it's out of your hands with Taze. Well, let's uh, let's talk about this, Cap. You and I have talked about, and I don't know if this comes from Pat Boyle or or someone on the inside with the Blackhawks. Was there a time that we talked about how Taze and Kane did not want to get traded here? They they, they didn't want to get traded. They want to stay in Chicago. Did we talk about that? There was speculation, but Pat has always been my go-to hockey guy on that stuff here this season. And Pat has been pretty clear that he thought by the deadline, again, Taves' health is a different story, that Kane would no longer be here. They want to stay or no? Didn't we talk about that? They have never, never really said. Okay. Contracts are up. I truly believe Patrick Kane's going to get traded. I heard this morning that the Rangers are really interested and Toronto's really interested. Now, I don't know if that's going to be the case or not, but if, if you're the Blackhawks, Kane has done yeoman's work. Three Stanley Cup championships, an all-time great. As you've said, maybe the best American hockey player that we've ever seen. Yes. So I think it's time for him to be in a different sweater for the Patrick playoff push. last night, too. What's that again? Hat-trick last night, too. Yeah. Four, four points. Four points, correct. So I would say it would be egregious if they don't trade him for something, for a younger asset. But again, he he controls it. Right. And I'm a big Patrick Kane fan, but he controls all of it. He has a no-movement clause. So if he doesn't want to go anywhere, he's not going anywhere. I mean, that, that could be the case, Cap. I just think that for him, if he's interested in getting a Stanley Cup, you go someplace else. It's not happening here. He's not. See what happens when you don't have a good team around you. Like, who doesn't like K's and Tays when they're healthy and upright? Not a draw if your team stinks. Correct. Not a draw, and they're great players. Shay. All right. Quick football question. Then we will get to what we saw last night in the NBA. Former NFL general manager Jeff Diamond published an article over the weekend citing the Bears' struggles in '22. He acknowledged that Matt Eberflus had little to work with, and Diamond added that with an expected, quote, influx of talent this offseason, Eberflus should be on the hot seat if things go poorly again in 2023. Shot or no shot, Eberflus already should be on the hot seat. (laughs) Come on, Cap. No shot. No shot. Hot seat? No. The Bears could have really been able to do some Cubs- Epstein magic, right? All right, you know what? Eberflus, thanks so much. You know what? You got the the team in the right direction. Justin Fields has developed. Get out. Sean Payton, get in there. You could have done that if you really thought that you're pretty close. Correct. They didn't do that. He will not be on the hot seat next year, first of all. That's a no shot. They have the worst roster in the National Football League. There is not a, as far as I know, a grove of trees up in Lake Forest where you go, <clears throat> excuse me, which row is the wide receiver tree? Let me pluck two of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, where are the left tackle trees? I'm going to get one of those. Where's the center tree? I need a beautifully developed center. Huh. That doesn't exist. It does not exist. It's a no shot. But please put that question in for 2024. Now, if you said they go spend a significant amount of cap space, they make a couple of stew trades, they add talent, they get a little better next year. 2024, you better take a step, right? Yes, and I don't want the Jed one splash, by the way, with the money. Jed, spend the money, spend the money. Oh, you want me to spend the money? Okay, here's Dansby. I want more than that. Oh, Sox, spend the money, spend the money. Oh, you want to spend it? Here's Benintendi. 
Uh, you got to do more than just one cap. Got to keep adding on. All right. This is – I'm not asking – I don't think the Bears are going to make significant changes here with free agency. They have all the money in the world to spend. But it can't be just a one-off. It can't be just one guy. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Don't hoard the money. Make the team better. You got money to spend. Signi- you're, you're light years away from Atlanta, but aren't don't you? don't spend just to spend. No, get quality. If it's out there. Yeah. I need that, I need that line – Fixed offensive line and defensive line. It's one of the worst defenses we ever seen. I'm just telling oh, you. Oh, that defense, the Bears defense, is a just a joke. That Dallas game, it still runs in my I still think about that from time to time. I'm sitting in an Austin bar drinking a Lone Star beer. Peacock and I, I'm looking up and I'm like, how are they scoring on us? It's almost like the Bears made some business decisions in that game. And you know right. what I mean? Yes. Like, what the hell's going on not here? Tackling that dude. But then Fields is all, it was spectacular. <laughs> exactly. I mean, but like, we're scoring, but we're giving it up on the other end just as quick as we were scoring. Like, okay, I can't take this. I can't take Arena League football in the NFL. Stop. It's an awful, awful roster. Awful. God, it still runs in my head, Shay. That Dallas game, to how many points they were surrendered in that game. It was so bad. What was the score, 49 to 20 or it's something? Tony Pollard's still running. Brother, it's one of the worst defenses of my lifetime. The Bears? The, the, whole, the hallmark of the Bears is running the football and playing defense. It was so bad. I was so disgusted walking out of that bar. Shay. All right, the NBA All-Star game was last night. Uh, team Giannis defeated Team LeBron 184 to 175. Arm burner. There I were over 190 points scored in the first half of this game. If you watched it, it was defense is optional and maybe even less than that. It was more just if somebody has the ball and wants to drive to the rim, get out of the way. It was a layup line. My question, shot or no shot, time to do away with the NBA All-Star game. That's a shot. You can get rid of all of the freaking All-Star games, as far as I'm concerned. They're boring. Nobody cares. Awful. Dump them all. Out. We'll have an announcement. Hey, so-and-so's an All-Star. Congratulations. Here's your bonus. That's it. Well, first of all, the All-Star game is, for me, is when they play it, all I'm concerned about who's going to be on what team. I haven't watched an All-Star game in years. And I'm a guy that used to do the post games for those All-Star games, Cap, on Sirius XM. I used to, like, okay, I don't care about what's happening in the game. And I'm not sure people should care about what's happening in the game. You know why? Because it's an exhibition. Mm-hmm. I couldn't care less what happens with all these All-Stars is because I know they're not going to play defense. I know they're not. They're out there to be able to show how far they can shoot the ball from three, all their, you know, great dunks. So it's an exhibition. So I, So for me... I couldn't care less what happens in the All-Star game. You know what I watched? I watched the selections. That was more interesting to me. And to me, it's kind of weird that they go with the reserves first. That's a mistake. Well, who's going to be last of the reserves? Well, here's the disrespect, the thing that bothered me the most. Not the game. couldn't care less about that. Jokic is one of the last guys that was selected amongst the starters. No, hold on a second. This guy could be a three-time MVP. And this is what the league thinks of him? The players. Jokic, it was, I think it was Jokic, and then it was marketing was last to be chosen. Okay, fine. Jokic is one of the last people picked from either Team LeBron or Team uh, Giannis. That's disrespectful. You, don't, you wouldn't want to have a great player that can give you, I don't know, 20 assists in this game. Lebr- a, guy, a guy can score 20 points. You don't want that guy? LeBron was too busy recruiting Anthony Edwards. 
I, now that we took first? I mean, that's all I – hey, this is all I think about, right? When LeBron makes these choices, I'm like, I know these are players that he likes and would love to play with. But for Jokic, if you notice at the end, it was Jokic and marketing, and it's those two are sitting down, and Jokic stood up. He's like, he went right over to LeBron. He wasn't chosen. He just walked over there. He's like, yeah, I'm not going to be picked last. So Jokic, one, one of the best players, if not the best player in the league, and he's chosen almost last? He's a hell of a player, man. Holy bleep. Completely disrespectful, though, to Jokic. Probably right. Completely disrespectful, Shay. But as far as the All-Star game is concerned, I mean, I mean, it's nothing for me to get upset about because, what, we haven't seen this for the last decade? And it's nothing the NBA could do to fix it except remove it. You know what they should do? And this is such a ridiculous outside-the-box thing by me, but it's just ban layups. Dunk or shoot the ball, something fan. Ban layups. If you're going to run to the rim with people getting out of the way and just finger roll it in off the glass, what? I mean, that's not even a display of your talent. That's just a free two points. And it's not anything anybody wants to watch. Did you, watch, did you take the over? Or? I took the under. Okay, and then what happened? <laughs> it soared. Uh-huh. It was the highest scoring All Star game I think ever. Yeah. Jason Tatum had fifty five points, but Hood, I could have gone out there and scored ten. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not worried about a, a great game from the All Star game. It's here's the two one the, the two All Star games that are true. Cap, you can't lollygag in baseball. You can't just be up there. Say, for instance, you're at third base. You got your arms folded. <laughs> Line drive right off the guy's head. Right. You got to be ready in baseball. You got to be ready to play. Hockey the same way. Yeah, you can kind of casually skate, but and nobody's going to check you. Yeah, yeah but you, you know what? You also don't want to trip up and get hurt. So you actually got to play because you don't know if there's going to be a, a, a soaring puck to your skull. Correct. So those are the two. Basketball, football, no shot. Awful. No, but I mean, but it, it's nothing for me to watch, though. I already know. Like, I, unless you just was going to tune in and say, they're not playing defense. Well, yeah, water's wet. They're not playing defense. Stop. But that's where, like, if you just erased all-star games from sports, tomorrow we wake up, poof, they're no all No one gone. cares. I wouldn't miss them. No. I would not miss no any one, of them. We, we took our kids and our grandson to dinner last night, and my son said, Garrett, goes, hey, you know the all-star games tonight, Yeah, so. That doesn't matter. Not watching that. that doesn't matter. As soon as I saw the selections and how they were picked, I went right over to Your Honor on Showtime. What a great show that is. I was two behind. I caught up last night. So I'm just starting season two. I won't tell you about it. I did the same thing. I, as soon as uh, the, the, like, I think 15 minutes into the game, maybe, because I was just waiting for the show to start, my wife and I watched The Last of Us on HBO. I had no interest in watching the All-Star game. Season one of Your Honor was oh, phenomenal. Oh, 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 oh. It is, uh, it is. Uh, wonderfully New Orleans, all those spots you see on that show. Like, I know that spot. I know that spot. I know that street. It's very, very, very good show. Really good. So that's what, that, but that's what I watched last night. Sports? No shot. Really? Good. I got my fill of college basketball. I just want to see what the selections were. It's who, who LeBron's going to tamper with. Then I was done. 7 o'clock, your honor. Done. Done. Because there's no need to, to hate watch something that I know that I'm not going to like. And you know I'm a basketball guy. You know I love basketball. But not that. <laughs> it's me, awful. Give me to give me to the regular season game I want to watch, and then give me to the playoffs and move on. But that I'm not watching that. It's awful. It's an exhibition, and yeah. and and again, there's nothing for the commissioner to do. What's he going to do about it? Nothing. Rules changes are coming to baseball, and we're here from uh, Pedro Crawl, the White Sox manager. So let's talk a little bit about these rules changes. They're out there. We'll talk about it. Also, Theo Epstein coming up at eight thirty-five. Cap and Jay Hood. Mornings, 7 to 10.
follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitter at ESPN1000. Cap and Jay Hood are back on ESPN Chicago, Chicago's Home for Sports. Cap and Jay Hood, weekday mornings. At 7, right here on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN 1000. Still to come, we'll hear from Theo Epstein. He's got a lot of um, thoughts about rules changes in Major League Baseball. We'll hear from Theo coming up at 835, right here on Chicago's Home for Sports. We're with you until 10, then Black and Abdallah at 10, Carmen and Yurko at 12, Waddle and Miller from 2 to 6. Tyler will be in for Black and Abdallah from 6 to 8, right into the Freddie and Fitzsimmons show, right here on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN 1000. New rules, new rules changes. We get this all the time, Cap. New rules changes in Major League Baseball. And before we hear from Pedro Grafal, the new manager for the White Sox, you know my question, Cap? You can have all these rules changes, especially when it comes to the pitch clock. But will baseball adhere to these new rules, especially with the pitch clock? They might have, have you know, the clocks up in every stadium, but you know how this works. You adhere to it in April, a little bit in May, and then by the time you get to Memorial Day, what pitch clock? I don't know if the baseball will be able to do that. We've seen this before. Are they going to do it again? They have got to stick to, and I think they will, and that's a great question for Theo. Is this stuff going to be enforced at the start, and then we get a little lax about it? I think the shift part of it, they can't. You can just look. You've got to have your feet on the dirt. You cannot be in short right field or short center. That's not going to be allowed. So I truly believe that part of it will be enforced. But what about the pitch clocks and the other things? Grafal talks about the new rules with the clock. And what the disengagements were, 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 were a, a hot topic. Uh, I think the clock is what it is. Mm-hmm. And I think guys will get used to that. Um, there were some questions on that. But the disengagements were, were a hot topic. And uh, you only have two of them. You know, the third one, you know, you better you better make an out if not to box. And depending on where the runners are, it can cost you a run. So um, that was one that we spent some time on. And uh, But again, it, it, you know, we have a lot of games here in the spring, and I think that we'll hopefully we'll, we'll touch every little thing that we need to touch before we, uh, before we embark to Houston. I'm actually hoping there are a lot. The, you know, more, the more that happens, the more we learn. You know, really, so what we don't want is, you know, to go through a fairly clean spring and then all of a sudden, you know, here we are and, and we get a few things pop up that uh, we didn't go through in the spring. But we're trying to do our best uh, with uh, coming up with different type of scenarios uh, for every one of those rules. And hopefully they, you know, they come up in the spring. I mean, I, I'd rather see it here, you know, than see it than see it during the season. Thoughts there from Pedro Grafal, the manager for the White Sox. Okay, so when we go through those rules, Cap, anything that stands out to you? We see that we've got Lou Maldati's pizza boxes now for bases. How about those things? They're big. But could you explain to me why why that's needed? Why, why do you have to have a pizza box at second and third first? So, first of all, they think that it'll encourage stealing because you're closer by several inches between the bases. So they will, those will be closer. So you can then, bigger bases, the distance has been reduced by, I believe it's, is it three inches? Standard yeah, the base ba- is now 18 by 18 instead, instead of 15, of 15, by, 15. 15 by 15. And so going, 
I believe it's four and a half inches going first to second, second to third, and then first to home, uh, home to first, and third to home are three inches. Now, is that one step? Is that a quarter of a step? If you ask my wife, it's significant. <laughs> as long as you're happy. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> you exactly got right. the pitch timer. You got shift limits. Now, hang on a second. This whole thing with, with the big bases. You got Vince Coleman coming back. Rudy Law back in the, in the, in the league. What are you talking about? No, who, who's stealing bases today? Well, maybe this will encourage more base stealing. You know what? Like, Moneyball was against it. You remember that? Shay, look up for no me. No bunts. None of that. Shay, look up for me the, the stolen base leader last season for, the, for in Major League Baseball. The reason why I asked the question, Cap, is because you and I love stolen bases because there's action in the game. There's strategy in the game. We're sitting there with our scorecards watching, and, and it's great to, at first base, someone could go at any time, right? You like that because it's unpredictability in the game. I think there's a lot of baseball guys, even that they can run, they make business decisions by not running. They're just waiting for the base hit so they can get to third base. Uh, John Birdie led the league with 41 steals. Who? Exactly. John Birdie of the Marlins. Never heard of right? Well, the reason why you don't watch Marlins games. Yeah. Six o'clock, you're having dinner. Exactly. <laughs> uh, well, I was on TV then. <laughs> right. Exactly. Now I might learn who a John Birdie <laughs> yeah, That's right. <laughs> 41 steals. More people going to steal cap? That's not even a famous name. I don't believe in that. I think that's ridiculous. I wonder who, well, who had the most steals for a Chicago player, Cubs or White Sox? I don't think we had a 20-steal guy on the Cubs. I don't think that's a thing anymore in baseball. That's what I believe. They're making a business decision. What used to be exciting in the game, you don't get the flea at the top or the bottom of the, of the lineup. Now, Billy Hamilton's in camp for the White Sox. Right? But how often is he going to get on? If he gets on, he will steal. Right? So that's my whole point. And then what else stands out to you about that? Because I can go on and on about how there should be more movement in the game. Never mind about the pitch clock. How about, how about just more movement in the game? When a line drive goes through. I'm glad there's no more shifts. No more shifts. Which uh, So a guy like um, Anthony Rizzo yep. would hit into the shift all the time, Schwarber. And it drove them insane. And so everyone said, well, learn to hit to left field. It's just not that easy. <laughs> it's like what, uh, what did Zimmer say that to Sandberg? The, the, the Barry Rosner story? Right. Barry Rosner tells me on, the, on my old night show, because Sandberg kept hitting the ball right, into the, right to the second baseman, to the right side, or right to the first baseman. And it's just like he just got, I think Fry just got tired of Sandberg just hitting right to the second baseman. Never, the line drive would never go through. And Fry says, you need to be able to hit the line drive. I want you to hit that ball to the left field foul pole. Just turn your body and hit it to the left field foul pole. Just keep doing it. You have 40 homers. And all of a sudden, the next year, he hit 40 homers because he was able to turn on the ball. Sandberg always, always to the right side. What about out. bringing Jim Fry to work with... Uh... Jason Hayward. He always hits the, left, the right field. They're the right side. I think Jim Fry's dead. He's gone? I, I believe Jim Fry's dead, yes. Shea, is Jim Fry dead? Yeah, I think he's gone. 
Nonetheless, oh, yeah, yeah, I believe he is. Nonetheless, I, I so what? Anything else that stands out? Because we're going to talk to Theo about this as far as rules changes. Uh, so I want to know what are you going to do when a batter steps out? Mm-hmm. And he like, oh my back is bothered. Oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh my god! Does that reset the pitch clock? There's a pitch clock. The stepping in and stepping out thing. Yeah. What if the uh, what if the shortstop takes off as the guy's in his motion? So they basically have a shift. Yeah. He's on the move. T.A. is on the move. Yeah. Can you do that? that that's a good question. I don't know. The, here's it is for me, though, Shay, the bottom line. I like baseball for what it is, and that is the end result. Who wins, the strategy and all that. They make these changes to try to modernize something that, you can't, that has no clock. You're trying to modernize something that has no clock. Football's got one. Basketball's got one. I go to baseball games like I go to a you know to know that I'm going to invest three or four hours. I'm fine with that. Baseball's not a movie. That's my point. It's not a minute. It's not an hour and thirty five minutes and then you leave. It's baseball. It's, it's baseball. leisurely. Correct. Now if people can't take that, that's too bad. But baseball is there to be leisure. Well, I want to ask Theo, what's the next great frontier? That's my biggest question for him. Next great frontier. What is that? Is it medical science? Mm-hmm. It's got to be. For We've already figured out spin on pitches and pitch labs and hitting this and shifting all of that. What's the next great frontier? We'll talk to Theo Epstein about that coming up next on the Cap and J Hood Morning Show. Here's today's headlines, headlines. with Cap and J Hood. DeMar DeRozan totaled 16 points in the NBA All Star game last night, Chicago. He says he's going to return to action for the Bulls at home against Brooklyn. The Blackhawks tallied a win over Toronto last night, 5-3. The United Center, Patrick Kane, he recorded a hat-trick uh, to go with an assist in the victory. Jonathan Taves has been taken off the trade market after announcing that he's still dealing with symptoms of long COVID and chronic immune response syndrome. The UIC Flames, go Flames! They defeat Valparaiso yesterday by the score of 74-73. to Jay Moore. Welcome back to Kevin J. Hood Experience. Weekdays from 7 to 10 on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. So baseball's going to look a little different this year. Bigger bases, no shifting, and one of the men tasked with trying to fix baseball with these rule changes former Cubs president, our friend, Theo Epstein, and he joins us now here on Kappa J. Hood. Theo, is it weird waking up not having to go to spring training camp? <laughs> it is weird. You know, this time of year, I've been waking up and thinking like I forgot something or, you know, that old dream about going to school, forgetting you had a test. It feels that way, not being in spring training. Um, you know, October also, you feel like you're missing something, draft, trade deadline, but I'm getting used to it and, uh, you know, staying connected to the game, um, which is important to me. So you had said to me a a while ago that as you went through all of this Moneyball era and all analytics and everything, we've got to fix the game that maybe all of us who did all that were responsible for. Did you feel a personal responsibility to get involved in doing what you're doing now? I thought it was important that, that we get out in front of the changes because, you know, the game, the game's been changing a lot the last, the last 20 years or so. And, 
as you mentioned, you know, front offices and people like me were partly responsible. You know, a lot of these optimizations, trying to put your players in a position, put your team in a position to win a few more games worked in that regard, but they didn't work in terms of putting the most entertaining product out there. And I don't feel guilty about it because that was my job as a GM was try to win as many games as I can, but sure. I feel, you know, part of the, part of the responsibility and I, and I care about the game. So I just think it makes a lot of sense and, and credit to the commissioner and the owners and the players for, for recognizing this, that the game's going to change regardless. And so be intentional about it. You know, 20 years ago, we never would have set out to design a game that ended up where we are today, you know, with the league hitting 243, with the strikeout rate across the league higher than Bob Gibson's strikeout rate, with, you know, generational lows and triples, doubles, and stolen bases that's been diving plays, the types of plays that, that you know, fans love the most. Um, you know, so it, it's our responsibility to, to, to make the adjustments and go through the, the the adjustment period to get the best possible version of baseball out there for the fans. Theo, I, I know that from your standpoint and for Cap and I as fans, we want to see the game modernized, but what have you heard from younger fans on what they want in baseball? Some of these machinations are pretty much to be able to cater to the younger fan, is it not? Yeah, to, to an extent you're right. Um, our numbers aren't where they should be with younger fans, and that's that's such an important demographic for the future of the game um you know younger fans who've, who've grown up um consuming their entertainment and their sports in a different way and grew up with iphones and grew up with fast-paced video games tend to just want more action uh and less dead time um more, more athleticism on display um you know shorter games faster paced games quicker moving games and and that's actually that's that's actually true across generations you know even you know, not everyone's going to answer the exact same way, but on average, what fans like, their favorite plays, what I just listed, triples, doubles, stolen bases, diving plays, plays with a, a lot of action, a lot of motion, uh, a lot of suspense. Fans' least favorite events during the course of the game, and this cuts across generations, things that involve dead time, you know, pitching changes, mound visits, um, periods when there's nothing going on. So the, the pitch timer is really designed to just give fans more of what they like, which is action and ball and play action, and, and less of what they don't like, which is dead time. And it should help with younger fans as well. What is the next great frontier then? If all of these changes work and you start to see more of the game that you would have designed 20, 25 years ago, is medical science the next great frontier? We've seen pitch labs. The Cubs have had success with this pitch lab philosophy that a lot of teams are using. What is the next great frontier? Well, it depends how what perspective uh, you're answering from. If you're if you're talking about wins and losses uh, and 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 what teams are are going to be doing to push the envelope and try to squeeze out a few more W's, that's one answer. And if you're talking about it from the league standpoint and making sure we continue to put the best product possible on the field for our fans and allow them to engage in it um, as many ways as possible. It's sort of a different answer. <laughs> I've worn both hats now, so it depends what you're looking at. From a team standpoint, you know, I guess the, I guess the one the one element that, that um, both those perspectives have in common is player safety, which you just identified. You know, from a team standpoint, if you can figure out a way to keep pitchers, you know, even say 10% healthier uh, than we have now, that's worth a lot of wins and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars and, and player safety is also at the forefront of, of what the league 
is trying to do is trying to achieve with with rule changes because you know we recognize our product is the players we have the greatest players in the world and keeping them on the field keeping them healthy ensuring that they have long careers and can be out there entertaining our fans is, is really important to us so there is a player safety uh element and and say for instance the bigger bases you know which provide more room for for base runners and fielders to avoid each other uh, on plays around the bases when we when we tested that in the minor leagues and over 8,000 games, we saw about 30% fewer uh, collisions and injuries near the bases. So yeah, player safety is important, but as far as, as far as, you know, like the next great innovation from a competitive standpoint, (laughs) that's being researched right now in 30 different organizations. And from a league standpoint, it's all about figuring out what the fan, how the fan of tomorrow is going to, um, watch sports, engage in sports, participate in sports. Some some of it has to do with, you know, the metaverse and Web three and it, the way we the way we relate to sports is going to look a lot different ten years from now. And so, trying to stay ahead of the curve and meeting fans where they are is really important. Theo Epstein with Cap and Jay Hood on ESPN One Thousand and streaming on the ESPN Chicago app. Theo, we've seen this before, which the pitch clock. Okay, we've seen this how it's the letter of the law in April, and by the time we get to Memorial Day. Yeah, umpires forget about this. So how can baseball hold umpires accountable to the pitch clock, not just through Memorial Day, but all season through the playoffs where this pitch clock really is a thing? Yeah, it's, it's completely different this time. Um, in, in, in the past, uh, the, the you know, pitch, pitch uh, timing enforcement has basically been a suggestion, and, and the way it was enforced, uh, the way the way pace of game violations were enforced in the past was sort of a letter to the players from the commissioner's office, you know, warning them, and then ultimately giving fines, progressive fines that you know were really just pennies in the in the big picture, given what guys are making. So now now it's totally different. Now now it's you know part of the fabric of the game itself. You know, pitch clock and pace of game violations are going to be enforced. From the first pitch of spring training on, um, umpires are responsible for that. There's actually an additional league staff member called the field timing coordinator who's going to be up in the box in communication with the umpires in charge of the clock. Um, and the umpire and the, and the field timing coordinator work together to make sure they're enforced. And the penalty is an automatic ball and an automatic strike. And I was in the Arizona Fall League when we enforced this for the first time and uh, watched as, you know, um, one of the top prospects in baseball at the time, Spencer Torkelson, got up there with two strikes. He he didn't he wasn't attentive to the pitcher in time. He, he had a pitch timer violation, automatic strike, strike three, and he had to sit down. And he never had a violation ever again. And that that's really ultimately how you get <laughs> wow. Wow. how you get enforcement is when when guys strike out on an automatic strike or when you walk somebody on an automatic ball. That's how that's how you get change. And the adjustment period in the minor leagues was about three weeks, three to four weeks. You know, the pitch timer rules rolled out there. We had multiple violations per game for that three-week adjustment period. And that's not ultimately what you want, but it's human nature. It takes about that long to adjust to something that's significant. And then, and then the cool part is after those three, four weeks, we averaged uh, half a violation per game, both teams combined. So your 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 team, on average, had an automatic ball or automatic strike assessed against them only once every four games, um, which is certainly you know something that that we could live with in order to get all the benefits of uh, better pace of play. Theo, which 
rule change of all of them do you think fans, not players, fans are going to look at and go, love it? Because, like I'm reading quotes from Eric Hosmer, he said, I hate when I hit one hard up the middle and the shortstop's standing there. Well, that's not going to be part of the way the game is going forward. Is it the pizza boxes Alex Cora referred to the bases as? <laughs> is it shifting? Is it pitch clock? Which number one fans will say to you, that's awesome? Yeah, ultimately, I think it's going to be the pitch timer. And and not because they notice the pitch timer, but because they notice the result of it. Pace which, of play. Which involves just a better better pace of play, a beautiful rhythm and flow to the game. The way, you know, if you... If you you know, hop on YouTube right now and 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 watch any game from your youth. And I was, the other day, I was watching the '75 World Series, Louis Tian on the mound. And mm-hmm. He got the ball, he got a sign, and he fired like every ten seconds. It's this beautiful rhythm. Like you're every time you take a breath, there's a pitch being thrown. You can't turn it off. It's just so much. So much more happens. You know, these days, last year in the big leagues, you had to wait four minutes simply to see a ball put in play. On average, takes four minutes. In the 75 World Series, it, it, it must have been half of that because they're just getting the ball and firing. So I think fans are going to love the pitch clock the most, the, you know, and it's going to fade into the background. The way you, when you go to an NBA game, no one goes home and says, "Oh, that 24 second clock was awesome," but you don't even notice it. But what you notice is this beautiful rhythm up and down the court, shots being put up, transition game. That's all caused by the 24 second shot clock. The same way. Ultimately, where you're going to be left with, I think, is just a, a faster-paced, action-packed style of play, and you don't even notice the pitch timer after a few weeks. You know, Cap, that Theo's got the actual reel-to-reel. He's got the film. That's why I looked faster. He yeah. actually laced From up his 30s. own film. Yeah, <laughs> got, that's what it was. He, he, he didn't have, like, you know, watching on television. Oh, no. It was the old, he laced his own film. It was great. Like, we in a movie theater. Mm-hmm. Hey, Theo, when you come back to town, which of Jed's palatial estates do you sleep at? It's it's so hard, you know, when you, when you've got multiple mansions the way Jed does. It depends where he has his his household staff. You know, it depends which which place has been you know cleaned lately and up to snuff. So and also I, I you know times are times are tough for Jed. So he's renting out you know one and a half of the places there. I understand they're sharing <laughs> the other one out. So Jed Hoyer, slumlord. That's it. That's it. Hey, man, we appreciate you taking time for us. Everybody back here misses you in Chicago. Yeah, I miss Chicago, and, and it's fun to be back. Look forward to seeing everyone in the bleachers at some point this year. You got it. We'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. Take care. Thanks Bye-bye. again. It is uh, Theo Epstein with us on the uh, CarX Tire and Auto Hotline. Rattle, rattle, thunder, clatter, boom, boom, boom. Your chance at tickets to tip off the madness with Clark Kellogg and the Orange at Rivers Casino. We'll talk about that coming up next on Cap and J Hood. If you miss something, get the podcast on the ESPN Chicago app. Cap and J Hood are back on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. Captain Jay Hood, weekday mornings at 7 here on ESPN 1000 and streaming on the ESPN Chicago app. Cap, CBS Sports College Basketball Game and studio analyst Clark Kellogg is tipping off the madness March 9th at the event center at Rivers Casino. Get your tickets today for an inside look at his career, followed by a special Q&A session hosted by Chicago sports broadcasting legend 
Danny Mac. Plus, here are Clark's picks for the year's Chicago, for the year's uh, college basketball tournament days ahead for the big bracket reveal. Special meet and greet tickets are available. The show begins at six o'clock. Doors open at five. And you got to be twenty-one to enter, twenty-one or over to enter. So again, this will take place March 9th at the Event Center Rivers Casino. We're going to give away five pairs of tickets this week on Cap and J Hood. Well, you know what? We'll take caller ten right now. Regular line three one two three three two ESPN three three two three seven seven six. If you want to go and check out Clark Kellogg at the Event Center at Rivers Casino, we'll hook you up with tickets right now. Yeah, that should be a lot of fun. Clark is awesome. Love Danny. So uh, really going to be, I think, a fun. Way to kick off your March Madness viewing experience. March 9th, Event Center, Rivers Casino. Again, his show starts at 6 o'clock, and we'll give away five pairs of tickets this week. And uh, one of them is going to be a qualifying to get the VIP, right, uh, right, Shay? Yeah, we're going to have five winners throughout the week, and on Friday, one of them will qualify for the VIP. I believe that includes the meet-and-greet tickets, so it'll be good for them. Sidebar may I approach. Brought to you by Ankin Law. 312-6 million for the great Howard Ankin. Sign my ball. Today, Cap, is President's Day, as yes. you well know. Correct. And so let's, let's give, me, give me your top TV president of all time. I have some choices. There's Morgan Freeman from Deep Impact back in 98. Mm-hmm. Jamie Foxx also was a, a president. Gina Davis was a president and commander-in-chief in 2005. Mm-hmm. Somehow John Travolta was one. Did he, oh, he played Bill Clinton, I think, <laughs> in a movie in 98. John Travolta. Jack Nick. Yeah, wag the dog, right? I think so. I believe so. Um, who is your, the best TV president? That's easy. That would be Kevin Klein as Bill Mitchell. Mm-hmm. He's really Dave Kovic, who runs a, an employment firm, but he's a spitting image for the president who had a stroke. Mm-hmm. So they fool the country into believing that guy's the president, and he's actually really good. So, okay, so Klein, not Michael Douglas. From the American president. That was another good one. Okay. He was excellent. Now, With he, Annette Benning. Here's what I think. I think that if you're going to play president, you have to look presidential. Mm-hmm. So Douglas is right up there for me in the, in the team photo. No Martin doubt. Sheen is right there in the West Wing. I never saw that show. From 99 to 2006. Mm-hmm. Harrison Ford looks presidential. He was in Air Force One in yes. 97. Get off my plane. And Dave Kovic. Kevin Klein, as That's you mentioned. It. Dave Kovic. So, 1993. Actually, that was the movie. Actually, does look presidential. That movie was so good. <laughs> we're walking. We're walking. Right, right. Exactly. Whatever the guy's name was. White House Chief of Staff. And, of course, one of your favorite shows of all time, 24. Yes. Dennis Haysbert. Yes. As President Palmer. Uh-huh. David Palmer. So, yeah. So, TV or movie, what's your favorite president here on this President's Day? Cap's going to go with Kovic or David Palmer. I'm going to roll with Michael Douglas or Morgan Freeman. Either one of those two look presidential. There you go. Freeman still looks presidential. Dennis Haysbert was really presidential. Yes. Did you think that after seeing him in Major League that he turned into that? No. <laughs> Wait a minute. That's the, I remember the first time I saw it. There's President David Palmer. That's Pedro Serrano. <laughs> then became the All-State guy. It's, a, it's funny how that works, right? You see a guy in a role, it's like he'll always be that guy. And then he goes into something else like, wait a minute, you're not not Pedro. You're not funny on here. You're pretty serious, as a matter of fact. Right. It's funny how that works with characters on television. 
Hey, uh, Sean Edison Park, he won the tickets to the tip off tip of the madness. That's what it's called, tip of the madness. Um, and so we'll give away another pair coming up tomorrow on Cap and J Hood to see Clark Kellogg and Danny Mac. There you go. Nice job, Sean and Edison Park. Should the Bears be seriously considering trading Justin Fields? In two minutes, we'll unpack that on Chicago's Home for Sports.